Section thirty of What is Property? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Diana Meilinger. What is Property? An Inquiry into the Principle of Right and of Government by Pierre Joseph Proudhon. Translated by Benjamin R. Tucker. Second Memoir, Part 8 the philosophers are no clearer today than at the time of the eclectic efflorescence nevertheless through their mystical epithems we can distinguish the words progress unity association solidarity fraternity which are certainly not reassuring to proprietors one of these philosophers m pierre leroux has written two large books in which he claims to show by all religious legislative and philosophical systems that since men are responsible to each other equality of conditions is the final law of society it is true that this philosopher admits a kind of property but as he leaves us to imagine what property would become in presence of equality we may boldly class him with the opponents of the right of increase i must here declare freely in order that i may not be suspected of secret connivance which is foreign to my nature that m leroux has my full sympathy not that i am a believer in his quasi pythagorean philosophy upon this subject i should have more than one observation to submit to him provided a veteran covered with stripes would not despise the remarks of a conscript not that i feel bound to this author by any special consideration for his opposition to property in my opinion m leroux could and even ought to state his position more explicitly and logically but i like i admire in m leroux the antagonist of our philosophical demigods the demolisher of usurped reputations the pitiless critic of everything that is respected because of its antiquity such is the reason for my high esteem for m leroux such would be the principle of the only literary association which in this century of coteries i should care to form we need men who like m leroux call in question social principles not to diffuse doubt concerning them but to make them doubly sure men who excite the mind by bold negations and make the conscience tremble by doctrines of annihilation where is the man who does not shudder on hearing m leroux exclaim there is neither a paradise nor a hell the wicked will not be punished nor the good rewarded mortals cease to hope and fear you revolve in a circle of appearances humanity is an immortal tree whose branches withering one after another feed with their debris the root which is always young where is the man who on hearing this desolate confession of faith does not demand with terror is it then true that i am only an aggregate of elements organized by an unknown force an idea realized for a few moments a form which passes and disappears is it true that my mind is only a harmony and my soul a vortex what is the ego what is god what is the sanction of society in former times m leroux would have been regarded as a great culprit worthy only like vanini of death and universal execration Today, M. Leroux is fulfilling a mission of salvation, for which, whatever he may say, he will be rewarded. Like those gloomy invalids who are always talking of their approaching death, and who faint when the doctor's opinion confirms their pretense, 
our materialistic society is agitated and loses countenance while listening to this startling decree of the philosopher thou shalt die honour then to monsieur leroux who has revealed to us the cowardice of the epicureans to monsieur leroux who renders new philosophical solutions necessary honour to the anti-eclectic to the apostle of equality in his work on humanity Monsieur Leroux commences by positing the necessity of property. You wish to abolish property, but do you not see that thereby you would annihilate man and even the name of man? You wish to abolish property, but could you live without a body? I will not tell you that it is necessary to support this body. I will tell you that this body is itself a species of property. In order clearly to understand the doctrine of Monsieur Leroux, it must be borne in mind that there are three necessary and primitive forms of society communism property and that which today we properly call association monsieur leroux rejects in the first place communism and combats it with all his might man is a personal and free being and therefore needs a sphere of independence and individual activity monsieur leroux emphasizes this in adding you wish neither family nor country nor property therefore no more fathers no more sons no more brothers here you are related to no being in time and therefore without a name here you are alone in the midst of a billion of men who today inhabit the earth how do you expect me to distinguish you in space in the midst of all this multitude if man is indistinguishable he is nothing now he can be distinguished individualized only through a devotion of certain things to his use such as his body his faculties and the tools which he uses hence says m leroux the necessity of appropriation in short property but property on what condition here m leroux after having condemned communism denounces in its turn the right of domain his whole doctrine can be summed up in this single proposition man may be made by property a slave or a despot by turns that posited if we ask m leroux to tell us under what system of property man will be neither a slave nor a despot but free just and a citizen m leroux replies in the third volume of his work on humanity there are three ways of destroying man's communion with his fellows and with the universe one by separating man in time two by separating him in space three by dividing the land or in general terms the instruments of production by attaching man to things by subordinating man to property by making man a proprietor this language it must be confessed savors a little too strongly of the metaphysical heights which the author frequents and of the school of monsieur cousin nevertheless it can be seen clearly enough it seems to me that m leroux opposes the exclusive appropriation of the instruments of production only he calls this non-appropriation of the instruments of production a new method of establishing property while i in accordance with all precedent call it a destruction of property in fact without the appropriation of instruments property is nothing Quote, hitherto we have confined ourselves to pointing out and combating the despotic features of property by considering property alone we have failed to see that the despotism of property 
is a correlative of the division of the human race that property instead of being organized in such a way as to facilitate the unlimited communion of man with his fellows and with the universe has been on the contrary turned against this communion let us translate this into commercial phraseology in order to destroy despotism and the inequality of conditions men must cease from competition and must associate their interests let employer and employed now enemies and rivals become associates now ask any manufacturer merchant or capitalist whether he would consider himself a proprietor if he were to share his revenue and profits with this mass of wage laborers whom it is proposed to make his associates Quote, family property and country are finite things which ought to be organized with a view to the infinite for man is a finite being who aspires to the infinite to him absolute finiteness is evil the infinite is his aim the indefinite his right End quote. few of my readers would understand these hierophantic words were i to leave them unexplained Monsieur leroux means by this magnificent formula that humanity is a single immense society which in its collective unity represents the infinite that every nation every tribe every commune and every citizen are in different degrees fragments or finite members of the infinite society the evil in which results solely from individualism and privilege in other words from the subordination of the infinite to the finite finally that to attain humanity's end and aim each part has a right to an indefinitely progressive development Quote, all the evils which afflict the human race arise from caste the family is a blessing the family caste the nobility is an evil country is a blessing the country caste supreme domineering conquering is an evil property individual possession is a blessing the property caste the domain of property of portier toulier troplong etc is an evil End quote thus according to monsieur leroux there is property and property the one good the other bad now as it is proper to call different things by different names if we keep the name property for the former we must call the latter robbery rapine brigandage if on the contrary we reserve the name property for the latter we must designate the former by the term possession or some other equivalent otherwise we should be troubled with an unpleasant synonymy what a blessing it would be if philosophers daring for once to say all that they think would speak the language of ordinary mortals nations and rulers would derive much greater profit from their lectures and applying the same names to the same ideas would come perhaps to understand each other i boldly declare that in regard to property i hold no other opinion than that of monsieur leroux but if i should adopt the style of the philosopher and repeat after him property is a blessing but the property cast the status quo of property is an evil i should be extolled as a genius by all the bachelors who write for the reviews footnote monsieur leroux has been highly praised in a review for having defended property i do not know whether the industrious encyclopedist is pleased with the praise but i know very well that in his place i should mourn for reason and for truth and a footnote if on the contrary 
I prefer the classic language of Rome and the civil code, and say accordingly, Possession is a blessing, but property is robbery. Immediately the aforesaid bachelors rise a hue and cry against the monster, and the judge threatens me. Oh, the power of language! Le National, on the other hand, has laughed at Monsieur Leroux and his ideas on property, charging him with tautology and childishness. Le National does not wish to understand. Is it necessary to remind this journal that it has no right to deride a dogmatic philosopher, because it is without a doctrine itself? From its foundation, Le National has been a nursery of intriguers and renegades. From time to time it takes care to warn its readers. Instead of lamenting over all its defections, the democratic sheet would do better to lay the blame on itself, and confess the shallowness of its theories. When will this organ of popular interests and the electoral reform cease to hire sceptics and spread doubt? I will wager, without going further, that M. Léon du Rocher, the critic of M. Leroux, is an anonymous or pseudonymous editor of some bourgeois or even aristocratic journal. The economists, questioned in their turn, propose to associate capital and labor. You know, sir, what that means. If we follow out the doctrine, we soon find that it ends in an absorption of property, not by the community, but by a general and indissoluble commodity, so that the condition of the proprietor would differ from that of the workingman only in receiving larger wages. This system, with some peculiar additions and embellishments, is the idea of the phalanstery. But it is clear that, if inequality of conditions is one of the attributes of property, it is not the whole of property. That which makes property a delightful thing, as some philosopher, I know not who, has said, is the power to dispose at will, not only of one's own goods, but of their specific nature, to use them at pleasure, to confine and enclose them, to excommunicate mankind, as M. Pierre Leroux says, in short, to make such use of them as passion, interest, or even caprice may suggest. What is the possession of money, a share in an agricultural or industrial enterprise, or a government bond coupon, in comparison with the infinite charm of being master of one's house and grounds, under one's vine and fig tree? Beati possidentes, says an author quoted by M. Troplon. Seriously, can this be applied to a man of income? who has no other possession under the sun than the market, and in his pocket his money. As well maintained that a trough is a coward. A nice method of reform. They never cease to condemn the thirst for gold, and the growing individualism of the century. And yet, most inconceivable of contradictions, they prepare to turn all kinds of property into one. Property in coin. I must say something further of a theory of property lately put forth with some ado. I mean the theory of M. Consideron. The Fourierists are not men who examine a doctrine in order to ascertain whether it conflicts with their system. On the contrary, it is their custom to exult and sing songs of triumph whenever an adversary passes without perceiving or noticing them. These gentlemen want direct refutations, in order that, if they are beaten, they may have at least the selfish consolation of having been spoken of. Well, let their wish be gratified. M. Considerant makes the most lofty pretensions to logic. His method of procedure is always that of major, minor, and conclusion. He would willingly write upon his hat, Argumentator in Barbara. 
but monsieur considéron is too intelligent and quick-witted to be a good logician as is proved by the fact that he appears to have taken the syllogism for logic the syllogism as everybody knows who is interested in philosophical curiosities is the first and perpetual sophism of the human mind the favorite tool of falsehood the stumbling-block of science the advocate of crime the syllogism has produced all the evils which the fabulist so eloquently condemned and has done nothing good or useful it is as devoid of truth as of justice we might apply to it these words of scripture celui qui met en lieu sa confiance perira consequently the best philosophers long since condemned it so that now none but the enemies of reason wish to make the syllogism its weapon monsieur considérant then has built his theory of property upon a syllogism would he be disposed to stake the system of fourier upon his arguments as i am ready to risk the whole doctrine of equality upon my refutation of that system such a duel would be quite in keeping with the warlike and chivalric taste of monsieur considérant and the public would profit by it for one of the two adversaries failing no more would be said about him and there would be one grumbler less in the world the theory of monsieur considérant has this remarkable feature that in attempting to satisfy at the same time the claims of both laborers and proprietors it infringes alike upon the rights of the former and the privileges of the latter in the first place the author lays it down as a principle one that the use of the land belongs to each member of the race that it is a natural and imprescriptible right similar in all respects to the right to the air and the sunshine two that the right to labor is equally fundamental natural and imprescriptible i have shown that the recognition of this double right would be the death of property i denounce monsieur considérant to the proprietors but monsieur considérant maintains that the right to labor creates the right of property and this is the way he reasons major premise every man legitimately possesses the thing which his labor his skill or in more general terms his action has created to which m considérant adds by way of comment indeed the land not having been created by man it follows from the fundamental principle of property that the land being given to the race in common can in no wise be the exclusive and legitimate property of such and such individuals who were not the creators of this value if i am not mistaken there is no one to whom this proposition at first sight and in its entirety does not seem utterly unrefutable reader distrust the syllogism first i observe that the words legitimately possesses signify to the author's mind legitimate proprietor otherwise the argument being intended to prove the legitimacy of property would have no meaning i might here raise the question of the difference between property and possession and call upon m considérant before going further to define the one and the other but i pass on this first proposition is doubly false one in that it asserts the act of creation to be the only basis of property two in that it regards this act as sufficient in all cases to authorize the right of property and in the first place if man may be proprietor of the game which he does not create but which he kills of the fruits which he does not create but which he gathers of the vegetables which he does not create but which he plants of the animals which he does not create but which he rears 
it is conceivable that men may in like manner become proprietors of the land which they do not create but which they clear and fertilize the act of creation then is not necessary to the acquisition of the right of property i say further that this act alone is not always sufficient and i prove it by the second premise of m considerant minor premise suppose that on an isolated island on the soil of a nation or over the whole face of the earth the extent of the scene of action does not affect our judgment of the facts a generation of human beings devotes itself for the first time to industry agriculture manufactures etc this generation by its labor intelligence and activity creates products develops values which did not exist on the cultivated land is it not perfectly clear that the property of this industrious generation will stand on a basis of right if the value or wealth produced by the activity of all be distributed among the producers according to each one's assistance in the creation of the general wealth that is unquestionable that is quite questionable for this value or wealth produced by the activity of all is by the very fact of its creation collective wealth the use of which like that of the land may be divided but which as property remains undivided and why this undivided ownership because the society which creates is itself indivisible a permanent unit incapable of reduction to fractions and it is this unity of society which makes the land common property and which as m considerant says renders its use imprescriptible in the case of every individual suppose indeed that at a given time the soil should be equally divided the very next moment this division if it allowed the right of property would become illegitimate should there be the slightest irregularity in the method of transfer men members of society imprescriptible possessors of the land might be deprived at one blow of property possession and the means of production in short property in capital is indivisible and consequently unalienable not necessarily when the capital is uncreated but when it is common or collective i confirm this theory against m considerant by the third term of his syllogism end of section thirty second memoir part eight